Hello, friends, and welcome to Coach Cuts Corner. Streaming bright from Michigan's capital city, this podcast is dedicated to helping you better understand the who, the what, and the why of mental performance, personal growth, and Lansing Stars baseball. Coach Cuts Corner, brought to you by iWash. In collaboration with Lansing Community College. And now here's your host, Stephen Cutter. Welcome back to Coach Cuts Corner. Today I'm joined in the studio with Travis Doyle, LCC's pitching coach, and Jamie Bain. Jamie is a pro scout for the New York Mets and makes his home near the capital city. Thanks for joining me in this morning, fellas. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to be here. Jamie, I wanted to talk a little bit about scouting and what's the difference between an amateur scout and a pro scout? Um, I think the big difference, I mean, the they're both acquisitional roles, but I think the difference is, you know, on the pro side, we're getting a guy that's more of a known commodity, right? There's, there's a little bit more uh, data out there. The competition they face is a little easier to judge against, especially as they move up the chain. You know, and sometimes you get into, you know, an area like ours and you got a guy throwing 88 and he's carving people up and he's one of the better players in the area. And he's, that's hard to, you know, there's a there's an old line that that I've used for a long time. It's, you know, your judgment's as good as your scale, and your scale is as good as your judgment. So, if that's what your lens is, is the amateur world, that's what those guys stick out in. Sometimes you move up, and and Travis and I have talked about it, and you see a guy throwing 96, 97, mm-hmm. and went pretty good in the draft, and you see him in Double A, and you're like, he can't get anybody out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, it doesn't mean the same thing. It's just like. A, you know, they're providing the talent and then it just kind of, you know, comes up to a, uh, to a point. And that's kind of where, you know, it, and it varies too. Like you see a guy in rookie ball that just signed, you're, you're almost doing that amateur level stuff where you're projecting on a guy. You see a 31 year old in triple a that has been up and down the big leagues. Like, all right, why is he not able to stick? Can we do something with in our organization that allows them to stick more, or is that just what he is? Like, you've got to dig. The information, the makeup's important at, at either level, but I don't have to deal with parents. <laughs> I don't have to go into homes. <laughs> um, I think that's a big deal. I think the agents are more likely to call me for help than on the amateur side because of the money involved and stuff like that. But it's evaluation. It's less projection because of the age as they get older. How much has scouting changed over, we'll just say, the last five years? Oh, I, 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 if you say the last five years, I don't think it's changed as much. If you go back a little bit further, I think you have that. And I think it happens every, I, you know, I've been in this game my whole life. My dad scouted, played, and, right. and you see it like <laughs> when my dad was probably my age and you'd get around – some of those scouts are like, ah, these new guys don't know what they're doing. You know, mm-hmm. kind of that whole thing. And then it, it, every 10 years, it's cyclical. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody gets upset at the new stuff that happens, and the new guys come in and try to make changes. Mm-hmm. And it's essentially, it's it's different verbiage than it used to be. It's just, it's the information's more precise and out there and available. Mm-hmm. But the the terminology that's used, like, you know, when Travis uses some of the things, I'm like, and I've had to learn, I'm like, okay, so that's what you mean by this on the mm-hmm. pitching side. And it's just, 
I think the way that guys evaluate has changed, but I think organizations are actually getting back to, um, from the people I've talked to and, and the organizations I'm with, they want scouts to scout again. Just don't just read me the numbers. I can see that. We want you to go to a game and tell me what you, from your lens, what you see. And I think that's where it's, where the last five years of its change, it's kind of reverted back to a little bit more of the old school, use your eyes. And, but with a, with, yeah. with an understanding of the information that's there. More of a blending of right. two worlds. One, I think that's anything, right? It, it's usually when it's best. Right. It's when you blend it. The old and new. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I think you, you know, a lot, you see a lot of the scouting is still taking place in facilities and stuff like that, where they're seeing guys throw and seeing that piece, but you're not necessarily seeing how they compete in certain environments. And I think that's different. Right. And you get out there and it's, and there's been a ton of examples of guys that in a vacuum or, you know, in their environment, you're like, that is really good stuff. Mm -hmm. And they go really high in the draft Mm -hmm. and they get paid really well. And, Nobody should be mad at those kids ever. Good mm-hmm. for them. I mean, they yep. did something, but then they face a hitter, and they're you know they're facing a team full of twelve year olds, different environment, right? Yeah. They're getting shelled. And you're like, dude's throwing ninety eight with mm-hmm. his yeah. eighty seven on our slider, and the twelve U teams carving him up. Like he's well, especially the big leagues once you run into the five hundred best hitters in the world. Right. It's like right, especially on the pro side, right? Like yeah. it's we were the amateur side. Tommy the other right. day, be one of the nicest people in the world, but he could also hit a hundred and ten mile an hour fastball. Right. If that's what you could throw. Right. You know? Like no matter how much your numbers grow, he's going to find a way to do it. Right. You know. So that's yeah. when I think the measurement tools are different. Like. A lot of guys ask me, they say, are guys throwing harder now? And I go, yeah, the measure, the way we measure it's mm-hmm. different. So I think it's out of the hand quicker, but there's also guys throwing harder, but there's less mm-hmm. guys, you know, throwing strikes. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like the give and take of, and that's where the cycle comes back in because you get, now Major League Manager going, just give me somebody that throws the ball to the plate. I just mm-hmm. need, to, I need somebody to hold runners and get the ball to the plate. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where the cycle comes through. Especially, and it, and it goes to the amateur side, right? Like you go to a Perfect Game or one of these other showcase things and you look on their website and it's touting a kid's spin rate. And then it says he's throwing 69. Right. <laughs> like <going>. Impressive. <laughs> well, you mentioned showcases. It seems like you've done a few of them. What, what's your thoughts on showcases and kids going to them? <sighs> I mean, don't you don't don't you in the baseball world somewhat feel like if you've got tools, then the best thing you can do is go show them off. Yeah, and if, you if need you've to, got tools, if you need to work on those tools, the best thing you can do is go work on those tools. You there's know? a there's definitely a, and there are guys for sure, um, that are really good at showcasing, and not very good in the games, uh, but True. they can. Um, you know, I've worked out. Um, back in the day, I worked out a Cuban guy. I threw him batting practice. I hit him ground balls at short, center. He would only swing at the pitches that were on the inner third that he could launch. And if it moved a little bit towards the middle, he would just you know spit on it. And then we went to run the 60, and he, they brought out a special masseuse, and he put on a track suit and track shoes. And they started like massaging for half an hour, and he ran the 60 twice, and he ran a 6-9. Mm-hmm. And I'm going... Why do, why, what are we, what are we doing? Like, <laughs> is he going to be able to do that if he's stealing second? Cause I don't think they'll have time. <laughs> right. But, and I think that's, that's the showcase portion, right? Where it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's quantifiable too, right? You did this on this date. You ran the 60 at this time. 
And so the kids put it on their thing. And I do it with my daughter too, right? Like here's the measurables and here's what it looks like. Mm-hmm. And then but, you get in the game, you're like, have you ever played before? <laughs> like that's a, yeah, yeah. that's a, that's a, you know, uh, catcher's interference. What's that? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You can't get that inside. Right. Track man that doesn't yeah. count. <laughs> and e- even so you're looking at those measurables that are happening. And if you measured them three days later, they're potentially going to be different, right. you know, and just right. it depends on their sleep and different things that are going on in their lives when you're measuring them. So it's, it's, it is pretty get, interesting. You get calls from coaches too, like yourself or Travis or just guys or other else. Like, yeah, we got that kid that we brought in we gave him a ton of money and he just, he doesn't know how to compete. He's not going to get me out. Yeah. Like, I don't know if he's going to throw for us. And then he transfers, and then he's somewhere else. And it's just mm-hmm. just a world of talent. But nobody's ever taught him how to play. Right. Which, I do think you see that change now, especially like certain university showcases where they're only inviting a certain amount of people. Yeah. Um, they eventually put them in a game setting you know, right. and stuff like that. It's not just like you get 10 balls off a tee. Let me see what you can do with it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, we've talked about too, like on the rep soto or some of those other things, like the the measurables. Like these kids have figured out if I use a heavier bat, oh yeah, and I use real major league balls instead of the uh, the, the ones that the, are in the yeah, facility, the soft ones. Yeah. yeah. If you hit the ball straight down at the rep soto, yeah. it does read 112. Yeah. 112. That was 113 <laughs> miles an hour. It was 74 <laughs> degrees to the left, but <laughs> it went behind you. But good job. Right, that was yeah. good exit velocity. But, but that exit velo is the one that shows up, and right. and through our time and facilities and stuff, you would see people using three ounce baseballs off off mounds. You well, know, it, for yeah, velos. throwing and, golf balls. I'm throwing yeah. 117 yeah. today. You're like. <laughs> For sure. Wow, it's pretty good. Or even using misreads. Yeah, I, mean, I got a video of, of Bartlett throwing 109 on a rep soda. Yeah, that's that just saved in my phone. You know what I mean? Well, I, I I went back. My daughter used that blast softball on her bat, and uh, she set it up one time to hit in the basement for this home run derby, and it said she had a uh, 121 uh, mile an hour bat speed. Impressive. Exit velocity and the ball went 497 feet. Yeah, Softball. That's 15 good. year old girl. Yeah, 15 year old girl. Yeah, did you get that on social media? Uh, no, because that's not real. <laughs> that would be one of those ones like, yeah, Cynthia's being like, this girl hits the ball a ton. What, like, what Kelly was, Leak. What My daughter's it? name is Kelly Leak. Yeah, that's impressive. What was it growing? What was it like growing up in a baseball family? Um, I don't think you realize it when you're mm-hmm. in it. Right. Like, um, you know, I go through and Travis and I talk about it. I don't, I've been in a big league clubhouse since I was two weeks old. I don't know any different. I don't know if I could do anything else <laughs> if it stopped. Um, and it's just, it was part of, part of my DNA. Like even my sister knew something about the game and she never played anything. Right. And, and my brother and my sister's, uh, my youngest sister is actually a, a writer and she's working on a book about baseball and scouting and stuff like that, like a you know, uh, fiction. But it's 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 just it gets this game gets in your blood, and I don't know how to explain it. I'm sure it's, it's like that for soccer in in certain parts of the world where you just yeah. I, I definitely know that you don't realize sometimes because I you know six months ago I've known Jamie for a minute and six months ago he goes oh yeah you know personal friend of Nolan Ryan I know Nolan Ryan you know what I mean you're like what mm. dude don't well tell you me. don't well you don't realize like I then I try to catch myself because you sound like you're name dropping like right. like hold on it I, did come Jason up Ver, yeah Jason Veritex yeah. uh, call me I'll call you right back or it's, it's you know diff- my dad played Harmon Killebrew and it's so, different because your circles are different your circles are and, different and if your dad was an accountant and there were famous accountants yeah, out there that's who you would know yeah <laughs> yeah that's exactly what it is and 
Um, I think there's different expectations for family time and what family time looks like compared to, you know, the oh, yeah. average. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's so different. Um, family is very important to me and very much of very much a part of my inner circle. And I, I know for a fact that, you know, college coaching, it takes its toll on, on families. And I think it's, it's coaching just in general because the hours are just different. You know, the games are typically played in the afternoons or the evenings. And that's when most people that have normal jobs are going home for dinner. And well, I, yeah, it's I, just different. It's different. And you gotta like the work life balance, whether it's a, you know, a female softball coach married to a man who's mm-hmm. just, you know, again, going to an accountant or something like mm-hmm. that, or, or, I mean, it takes a special spouse to to trust that person as much as you yeah. travel. And it, you know, my dad round trip to Hawaii one time to watch me throw a high school game. Like he landed. I'm like, I thought you were in Hawaii. He goes, uh, I'm going back after you after you throw. Mm-hmm. And just round trip to Hawaii and never thought twice about it. And look, I know he got home because I've done it where you drive all night and you've done do you done it. Do you remember how you threw? In high school, I threw good because I had a good curveball in high school. I could, I was always pretty good. Um, good enough for a round trip. Yeah, good enough for a round trip <laughs> to where I could have told you I'm going to do pretty good here. Like, <laughs> um, we've t- I've talked about one of my one of my dear friends that I've known since we were we went to preschool together. He's a scout with the Mets too, but his dad was a scout for a long time, so we've mm-hmm. really close. And we talked about that. He goes. He said, you were really good in high school because you thought you were really good in high school. Like, you know, my stuff wasn't as good as I thought I was. And that's a tough thing to teach. But um, but I would have told my dad back then, I'm like, yeah, I'll probably go five no hit innings and then we'll see after that. But you should come (laughs) like stuff like that. It's like that belief system is huge, you know, just huge. And you can see some really talented people that struggle with that belief system and they just can't figure it out on the field. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. You know, my wife's a softball coach at the high school here. And, you know, like I said, my daughter plays and that's a difficult thing. Like you hit a ball really, really hard and you hit three of them right on the screws and it goes right to the shortstop. You're like, Hey, great at bat. And then, but yeah, well, game changer says it didn't have any hits. And I'm like, Oh, Right. Turn game changer off because those were three good at bats. That's awesome. Yeah, thank God we didn't have game changer as a kid. No, oh. <laughs> well, looking at that way too often. That whole yeah. game changer's changed too, especially at like mm-hmm. the high school level because you've got a lot of parents that are watching it, and then as soon as Billy doesn't get the hit, that Calling you know dad. they yeah. they made they made a mistake and yeah. you know marked it as an error or whatever, then they're calling and you know Billy's got one more hit on the season. He needs that hit. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. They're seeing that as their kids next four years of college and yeah. you know like you you're the one that right. shorted that <laughs> perspective perspective yeah. tell me about your family a little bit my wife mm-hmm. and kids my wife's from pentwater michigan that's why i live here i actually really like well, michigan here's not pentwater here's not pentwater but michigan as a whole if you're from scottsdale arizona all right and phoenix and and, and born in southern california uh the whole midwest is here yes <laughs> ohio indiana wisconsin they're all the same thing easy so um but for me it's my wife is is my best friend amy she's she's a single mom and a single dad when i'm gone she's uh takes care of the house she's fantastic i think she's actually more upset when i'm home for a while because i upset her routine my oldest son carter is at uh, central michigan really brilliant kid has always been just a nice smart kid that's good at trivia that's he's in the honors program we got a 34 in the act that's 
I shouldn't say this publicly, but that's from his mom, not me. <laughs> she, mm-hmm. She's really smart. Mm-hmm. She's very educated, couple of degrees. Yeah. And yeah. Um, my daughter, Kirlin, goes by Kiki, softball player, pitches, hits, junior at Okemos High School. She's, uh, she's a really talented girl that, again, the belief system in yourself is mm-hmm. it's a hard one. I never struggle with it. So it was, for me, it was always like, you're good. Just get over it. And... My youngest, uh, Bennett, is very left-handed. I actually have handed him off to Travis for some pitching lessons because he's too much like me. We'll just okay. butt heads a little bit. He wants to hear the science terms. Yes, yeah, he's like the... He wants to hear yeah, he wants to be like... Uh, he was. Travis was explaining to him something, and he goes, you mean like the kinetic chain? And I went, Travis, you got him. I'm, I'm, I'm out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's tall, He's tall too, so it makes yeah. more sense. Okay. He went to an improv class last night. Okay. Like nice. He's yeah. just... You know, nice. he's, he's unique and... Um, I try to take them with me on the road. We try to have, you know, it's harder when they get older, mm-hmm. you know, when they have their friends and their kids yeah. and you want to like, no, we just go up and let's go to Boston for the week. And you can't, you know, you can't do that as much, but they're good. I mean, there's times like I was in Japan for 28, 29 days last year and that's gone too long. I, I just, that's too much, right? You're just, you're missing too much. And, but there's a work-life balance for sure that if you don't get it, and you're not married to the right person, and not going to work out very yeah, well. It's 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 all about the right person, and we we teach that in our baseball program too it's about huge. how that contagious proximity, how important that is, and that you've got to line up with somebody that's going to help you, support you, cheer you on. You're going to grow together, and if you if you line up with somebody that has you know jealousy, envy, those different things, needs a lot of needs, and you're in these professions of of baseball and the other sports. Good luck. You're you're gonna have some challenges. Yeah, and that's and you gotta have trust too. Yeah. I mean, as much as you're gone, I and I I don't think Amy's ever worried about me. Not that I'm Brad Pitt over here or anything, but I think yeah, you travel enough. What's that? <laughs> I think she's right. Yeah, she's right. <laughs> so I think uh, you know. I just think you got to find that person, and they got to be comfortable in their own skin. So baseball guy, and I'm hearing you're knee deep in softball now. Yeah, it's a wonderful sport. The, what's what's the differences besides pitching? Uh, I mean, the proximity, I think they're tougher. I think they're quicker to be down on themselves too, though. I think the boys are better at faking it till they make it. Like they watch enough TV where they point to the sky and do all the stuff. And I think they do a good job of, of that, but it's really, really close, man. Like it's a, the swings are pretty similar. The rise ball versus the four seam. Like they're very, very similar. It's the the real oddball is the pitching piece. Mm -hmm. And that's the one that's like. Um, you know, my daughter will pitch like, well, I got a 60 pitch pen today and then I got to pitch tomorrow. And then we're, I got to here. And then I got on Thursday, I'm doing this. I'm like, that's child abuse. What are you throwing her so much for? And it's like, well, she needs to maintain. That's what, that's normal. I'm like, <laughs> like and Travis and I, when you were in there in the thing, it's like, how's your arm feel? Every, I mean, 10 mm-hmm. pitches, like every yeah. kid that comes in, every guy that throws over and yeah. how's your arm feel? It should be written on my chest. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, how's your arm feel? And it's, it's like, and with the softball girls, I'm like. You're right. Yeah, I'm only at 75 pitches. You're like you're just getting loose. Yeah, <laughs> like go on. Only 20 minutes in. Yeah, I got three more games today. You're like, I don't know. <laughs> Do you feel like they have more energy? More, they're louder. Um, at times when they're yeah. comfortable in their own skin, yeah. I think they're. I like the chanting in the dugout. I think it's pretty cool as long as they're not mean to the other. Like sure. you said, they're in 12 U and they're just ripping the pitcher. And I'm like, man, that's, that's not very nice. The girl's crying on the mound. Right. <laughs> you know. Um, and I, as I've gotten older, too, it becomes easier. Again, I think in the youth sports, 
the, the parental aspect is enormous. Like in softball, baseball, it's that's the part to me that is like, just let your kid have fun and play, man. Like, yeah. it's they're not the likelihood that they play in the major leagues is very slim. Yeah, very just, slim. Like, this is the glory times right now. Have so fun, right? Let's do this. I mean, let's. Yeah, I, totally. I I always tell people. I said I, you know, I challenge her and and we talk about things and but we have a good relationship. I'm gonna miss the heck out of it when she's gone. You know, if she's going to play in college or whatnot, but. But there's a challenge to it, man. Like, there's a challenge to get those girls to believe in themselves. Yeah. We had a girl on our travel team one time. I just told her to dive no matter what because she'd been beat up so much and yelled at. And there was a ball that was up the middle, and she was playing second. It must have been 15 for her. And she laid out. I mean, full-on laid out. It looked like she couldn't see and just stove and, or, you know, tripped over something. But came out of the dugout and had a girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know, I three daughters and yeah. I, I fully believe that they need to feel good before they're going to play good. Yeah. Oh, I think so too. I think it's, they have, I got to have white spikes. I got to have this. And, um, I would, I, I'm like that too, though. I would say that yeah, I, I was going to say there's a lot of dudes like that. Yeah. There's a lot of guys like that. <laughs> like, guys. yeah. It's like, but it's more like dude, bro, you know, more than yeah, <laughs> they yeah. probably want to lead on. I've trained guys and girls. I've noticed the girls listen better. It seems like I've yeah. definitely seen, you know, eyes on you where the boys are just like slapping each other and looking around. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're, yeah. You say, you say knock it off more often when you're talking. Yes. Dude, knock it off. I snap my fingers a lot. Like I'm talking kind of stuff. The girls are just beat it up. Yeah. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. The girls will say something like, stop. He's talking. I go, okay. Right. Interesting. Very interesting. What do you know about LCC? Now that you're in the area and basically living right next door, um, college-wise. College-wise, as far as a school as a yeah. whole, yeah. Um, I always think the junior college route is a terrific route um, in terms of the opportunity, the cost, and it's a chance to just get your footing, right? When you're, yeah. We're not all going to be built and physically, mentally, home life, whatever, at 18 years old to be able to step on to a division one, division two campus and compete and go to class and deal with living with roommates. And I didn't realize, you know, I was talking to Travis as he was coming over here. We talked a lot and we, we talk a lot fairly often, but it's a fantastic place for resources like you know, the thing we're in now and the resources of, he's told me some stuff that you guys are able to do. And I've got to the point and through softball, I've gotten to it more is it doesn't matter what the D is in front of it. It doesn't matter if it's a junior mm-hmm. college, you know, whatever's going to get, whatever your goal is supposed to be to do it. And it seems like, you know, Travis talks about his days at, at, at junior college of Grand Rapids with a lot of, you know, like we were really, really good. And, and I think that's what LCC's become too, right? I mean, it's one of those. It's about the people. It's about it the people, is, right? You find a good restaurant. It, it doesn't matter how great their decor is, but if they've got good people working in there right. and they've got a good chef and right. things like that, right. they're going to have a line of traffic right. you know, going out the door. you know. And, that, and then you're going to drive by and go, yeah. what's going on? What is that place? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mental guys on TV would just stand in line in Vegas and people would line up behind them. And there'd be 50, 60 people behind him in line. And he's not waiting for anything. You just put up a rope. He's just standing there. But I think that's the, right? Yeah. Law of attraction. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate you guys being on. We're going to wrap it up now. Until next time, thank you to all of our listeners and also to Coach Doyle and Jamie for joining me today in the WLNZ studios. Stay humble and stay hungry. Go Stars. (laughs) 
Coach Cuts Corner is recorded live in the WLNZ studios. Engineering and production assistance are provided by Dedalian Lowry. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please share it and follow us on all the platforms of social media. You can find more about our program at lccstars.com. And donations to our baseball program can be made at the same site. See you next time. This is LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Massage therapy can be an effective method to combat stress and anxiety. It can also be helpful for injury treatment and prevention. The Lansing Community College Massage Therapy Clinic is open to the public and provides the opportunity for students to learn. Visit lcc.edu massage for more information. As I went through school, One giant question loomed over me. What did I want to be? But in order to know what I wanted to be, I had to first decide what I wanted to make. I wanted to make more. So I became a teacher. Now I make learning a privilege, not a chore. And frustration, a tool, not an obstacle. I make working hard seem easy and giving up impossible. I make an old subject feel like a fresh thought and unconventional methods common. I make material things less important and little things like patience and kindness count. I make weekdays more exciting than weekends and classrooms feel like anything but. I make things different, which is all I ever hoped for. I'm a teacher. I make more. Find out how you can make more at teach.org. Make more. Teach. Brought to you by Teach and the Ad Council. Lansing Community College welcomes transfer students. Transfer students may apply transfer credits towards their LCC degree, certificate, or transfer program. Learn more at lcc.edu slash you belong. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Welcome to The Safety Plan, the show where I cover the latest cyber scam and how to avoid it on LCC Connect, Voices, Vibes, Vision. I'm Paul Schwartz, and I'm happy that you are here. Let's do this. Now, this morning, my daughter was singing Hey Ya by Outkast, and now that song is stuck in my head. I, I guarantee you've heard it. It starts with Hey Ya. Hey, uh, you think you've got it. Oh, you think you've got it, but you got it. Just don't get it. And there's nothing at all. We get together. Oh, we get together. But my kid was singing with cybersecurity words. He, it was like this. You think you've got a tax refund. Oh, you think you've got it, but you don't get it. And there's nothing at all. Obviously, the college has allowed me budgetless artistic freedom on this show, and I will take advantage of that position. So welcome to the Safety Plan Show. Here's the format. I will describe a real world cyber scam like phishing or malware or identity theft or scareware and so forth. Second, I will explain why it could happen to you. And third, how to protect yourself so it doesn't happen to you. So why should you listen to the safety plan episodes? First, I want to share my cybersecurity knowledge with you so you can learn and grow from it. Second, a community knowledgeable in cyber scams will not fall for them in the future. And third, if people start practicing good cyber practices in their lives and at home, then they practice those same skills 
principles at work, which makes your business or company or local community college more secure. So win, win, win. Yes. Okay. I am Paul Schwartz, and I am the LCC Director of Information Security, and I coordinate security issues for the college. I've worked in cybersecurity for 27 years, including 20 years in the Air Force before ending up at LCC. And I wear a tie to work, so people think I know stuff, which proves I am smart. S-M-R-T smart. Okay, so today we're going to talk about tax return fraud. And a celebrity lawyer in Lansing, Mike Gressens, argued with me a few weekends back that a show on tax refund fraud will be as boring as, as, as eating chips on the air. So I want to do a test. First, I will eat chips on the air. Mmm, how do you like this, Mike? Okay, now I will tell you about the tax return fraud and let you determine which one is more exciting. Victims of tax refund fraud usually first learn of the crime after having their returns rejected because scammers beat them to it. Even those who are not required to file a tax return can be victims of refund fraud, as are those who are not even due a refund. One of the main reasons for tax refund fraud is that it takes so little information to file a false return, just your name, the date of birth, and a social security number, which were probably stolen during the 2017 Equifax breach, or numerous breaches since then. Now, the first thing I want to talk to you about is before you file, what you need to do. And the first step is keep your eye on your information. So don't carry your Social Security card or other information contain your Social Security number with you. Don't give businesses your Social Security number just because they ask for it. Give it to only ones that require it. And take a look at your Social Security earnings statement each year. And if that number is off, you're going to need to investigate it. Two of the most common ways to steal sensitive data are dumpster diving and mail theft. Investing in a crosscut shredder and a lockable mailbox will help eliminate those risks. And finally, you need to practice good cyber hygiene. Use firewalls and antivirus software. Update your computer with security patches. Don't overshare on social media. Practice good physical protection measures. And use good computer operational security. This means browsing widely, wisely, not opening unsolicited email links or attachments, not using torrent downloads, using a password manager with unique passwords. I think each one of these will probably be covered in a future episode by me. Next, do not email your W-2 or any other confidential information. Email is the equivalent of a postcard. Everyone can see it. If you must send your social security over email, you need to encrypt it with a product like 7-Zip or some other encryption like in Microsoft Office. You can also download your W-2 onto an encrypted thumb drive or to, a, say, a, a, a more secure site. Now, next, you should consider putting on a credit freeze. Now, credit freezes are free. A credit freeze allows you to restrict access to your credit report and protects your personal information. By preventing creditors from viewing your information, this prevents new lines of credit from being opened in your name, as creditors do not often extend credit without being able to view a credit report. Now, once you're ready to file an income tax return, here's the things you need to do. First and most important, you need to file before the fraudsters do it for you. Your primary defense against becoming the next tax income fraud victim is to file your taxes at the state and federal level as quickly as possible. Now, this year, IRS will begin accepting federal tax returns on January 24th. As soon as you have everything you need to file, don't waste any time getting the job done. Second, 
get an IRS IP PIN. Now, IP PIN stands for Identity Protection Personal Identification Number. Now, this is a program you can opt into, and it provides you a six-digit number uh, to help prevent the misuse of your Social Security number on fraudulent federal income tax returns. So, if you have this IP PIN, this helps the IRS verify your identity, and they won't accept a paper or electronic tax return without that IP PIN. So it prevents other people from filing taxes for you. Third, use a credible tax preparer. You should be aware of tax preparation firms that claim they can obtain larger refunds than any other preparer who base their fee on a percentage of the amount of the refund. And, and they also ask consumers to sign, say, a blank tax form, or they refuse to provide a, you know, prepare a tax identification number or copies of the tax returns or charge you outrageous fees. Those are all red flags on non-credible tax preparers. Fourth, now you should also watch out for tax-related companies. These are legit-looking companies that claim to be able to free consumers from tax liens or wage garnishments and levies and unbearable monthly payments, and they have upfront fees of $3,000 to $25,000. And other companies claim to be able to settle debts to the IRS for pennies on the dollar, and yet others will claim to give you an advance on your refund, but will never hand, out, hand over the balance of the money. Instead of paying big upfront fees to shady tax relief firms, consumers who have trouble paying taxes should contact the IRS or their state comptrollers directly. The IRS has a taxpayer advocate service. It's a, this is an independent office within the IRS that helps provide you know, help and advice to consumers having trouble paying their federal taxes. Consumers experiencing difficulties paying state taxes should contact the National Association of State Auditors, Comptrollers, and Treasurers. That's the NASAA. And they'll have guidance on how to help with state taxes. Next, don't use insecure Wi-Fi. Skip using that Wi-Fi at the coffee you know, house or the hotel or the fast food locations to file your taxes online. These locations are prime places for hackers to intercept and steal your personal information. Next, use direct deposit for refunds. It is recommended that you use the option of getting your refund via direct deposit versus a check so criminals can't have it redirected to their address or steal it from your mailbox. And finally, keep your eye on your information. I know I've talked about that before, but it's so important. Do not leave your tax returns or any of the key paperwork in your car or on your kitchen counter or on the top of the de desk at home, so forth. So how do you tell if you're a victim of tax fraud? So here's the steps. First, again, keep your eyes wide open. You need to be alert when you see information that doesn't make sense, such as a rejection notification from the IRS stating that you have already filed a return. Next, regularly request a free copy of your credit report. Be aware that the bank and investment and credit accounts. Be aware of your accounts and what the numbers are and the balances. Identity thieves will open new accounts under your name and have the bills sent to them and spend the money without your consent. By law, consumers are entitled to a free copy of their credit report from each of the major bureaus once a year. So put it on your calendar to request a copy of your file every three to four months, each time from a different credit bureau. And then you should dispute any unauthorized or suspicious activity. Now, next, the IRS will never call or email you. Be on the lookout for phishing phone calls or emails from the fake IRS. The email may even have a realistic-looking sender address, but it's not from the IRS. and probably contains, you know, if it's an email with an attachment or a link, it's probably, it probably is full of malware. If you have any doubt whether a, 
uh, contact from the IRS is authentic, you can call the IRS customer service. And finally, if you think you're a victim of tax return fraud, you should contact the IRS. If you receive a notice from the IRS that leads you to believe that someone has used your Social Security number fraudulently, contact the IRS immediately. Okay, so now once you know you are the victim of tax return fraud, here's the things you can do. First, file form 14039, and this is the identity theft affidavit that formally reports fraud to the IRS. Once they get this form, the IRS will issue you that IP pin. That's the identity protection pin if you don't already have one. And then when you have this IP pin, the fraudsters won't be able to you know, submit a tax return in your name. Next, file form 4506. And this is um, the form that tells you whether a person's already filed a tax refund in your name. It, it, it costs about $50, and it gets you a copy of that return. And now, this information can be shared with your local police who may be able to use it to track down the people who stole your tax refund. And finally, get free credit reports uh, from the Bureau's monitor and freezer credit report. Like I mentioned earlier, a credit freeze allows you to restrict access to your credit report and protects your personal information. That's a wrap of today's Safety Plan episode. If you have questions or have been a victim of a cyber scam, tell me about it by emailing lccinfosec at lcc.edu. You can find more info at lcc.edu connect. This episode of The Safety Plan was recorded by Paul Schwartz in the TLC Tower in downtown Lansing Community College and produced by Lane Ingram and engineered by Big D Dedalia. I'm Paul Schwartz, and this is LCC Connect. So long. Keep connected with LCC Connect at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. K-12 Operations at Lansing Community College is a proud collaborator of the Lansing Promise Scholarship available to graduating high school seniors. Find information at lcc.edu slash hope. Lansing Community College's Fresh Start program forgives outstanding student balances, allowing students to re-enroll without penalty. Fresh Start does not apply to student loan creditors. Learn more at lcc.edu slash fresh start. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. It's time for Stars on Sports, a podcast radio show dedicated to sharing stories about our athletic program at Lansing Community College. LCC Athletics has a strong tradition. 23 national championship wins. Over 170 All-Americans. 19 MCCAA All-Sports trophies. Stars on Sports will introduce you to individuals that have contributed to our program's success and give you the backstory on what it takes to develop it. We'll also dive into and break down the topics and issues facing athletic departments across the nation and right here at LCC. This is Stars on Sports. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Stars on Sports. I'm joined by our assistant athletic director, Stephen Cutter. And today, Stephen, we're going to start with sportsmanship. But as we know from previous podcasts, this could go in, in many directions. And 
I already lost my train of thought because I forget we're videotaping and I dance to our our opening songs. So I, I don't think they, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. That, uh, that adds to the entertainment. Yeah, it'll be on bloopers or something as we get going. At the very end, we're going to get you up doing the cha-cha slide. Uh, the slide. All right. I am not a dancer. I wish I could be, Shocking. but <laughs> probably goes with my parking. But um, anyway, Stephen, um, when you talk about rivalries, you talk about intensity and increased emotions and we both know that doesn't just go with rivalries as we're learning there's a lot of factors that play into this but I was at a conference this weekend in sportsmanship with a hot topic in in a number of sports and you see it on tv and we've talked about it before I've been watching some football games this fall and the popular gesture after a great play seems to be the sword motion and it gets flagged more than some of the other motions that kids do out there. So I don't know if officials have an emphasis if they see the sword usually, motion that that usually, should yeah. be 15 yards compared to, you know, the incomplete Something pass. So, but anyway, are that a game Friday night? And, you know, just officials have different perspectives, you know, unsportsmanlike conduct. Some are a little more... Mm-hmm tight with it. Some are looser with it. So it can be hard for students to know what to get away with. We were in a different part of the state in the game I was in. So maybe they call it a little tighter over there. But as you and I have talked and we were talking on before we get on the air is to me in every coach's meeting, I, I start with sportsmanship starts with the coach. It's how the coach sets the tone because if the coach is yelling and screaming, then it carries over to the student athlete. Then it carries over to the fans and spectators because they see them frustrated and upset. So I really make an emphasis with our coaches to try and be professional and classy and talk to the officials on the side. And we both know in heated moment, it's you know it's the coach's job to defend their kids with the officials. And this podcast is not about officiating. That's a whole nother podcast. But you've observed a little bit of that in your fall season. And what is there anything that goes to the top of your head when you think of sportsmanship or behavior actions and where it begins or ends? Yeah, I think it's a unique challenge. I know speaking from the stuff that we've taught in our program, we try to teach things like mudita, which is a Sanskrit word. And mudita means vicarious joy for others' successes. So in truly vicarious joy for others' successes, which helps teach selflessness. And in the English language, there is not another word that matches that. But there are two words that are the exact opposite of it, and that is jealousy and envy. So when you are teaching that and the student athletes start to buy into that, so when Billy makes a great play, they get excited and somebody playing behind Billy and you know, he gets just as excited for Billy when he makes that play, that becomes a very unique environment. And so our dugout is, is usually very engaged. They will not be talking to the other team. They will not be talking to the coaches, but they'll be very engaged. That is somewhat uncommon. And some people think that is lack of class or other things but if you actually listen to what they're saying they're within the rules of what they're doing and they are engagers and they are cheering for each other and we were in a ball game that was extremely one-sided it was the last inning we were pitching to close it out and our pitcher went in there had an immaculate inning he went uh, one two three one out one two three two outs one two three three outs you know nine pitches immaculate inning And the dugout was bonkers for him. Mm -hmm. And 
that is by far the best thing that you will see in sports and we definitely promote it but there's a backside to it too where people just don't understand it yeah and there's many factors that you hit on that i'd like to follow up on one is an engaging bench which is important you you know as a coach you have to keep your bench involved in the game so they're Mm -hmm. ready to go they understand what's going on and you talked about the positive side because then some teams you see that jealousy and envy from that role player that's hoping that person doesn't Gets be successful so that fails. they can yeah. they can right. get out there and, and you know capitalize on that opportunity. But the thing I think we forget about sometimes because scenarios, you talk about a scenario when you're you're way ahead and your team's celebrating, so people might think from the mm-hmm. other side that right. shouldn't you, be. Right. right. Yeah, we should yeah. but having fun and we forget about that sometimes. And that's the main thing that these student athletes should be doing is having fun out there it should be fun and we forget that sometimes and we also forget how to to handle it properly which sounds like you go over specifically and I think good coaches do do that but it can be taken the wrong way and in our business perception is reality and you're dealing with emotions you're dealing with wins and losses and the other side can perceive things differently or the thing I've learned is if even in student sections, if one team chants something, the other section think they need to come back with a different chant. And usually that can lead to inappropriateness. And some of it's very clever and creative, but it can be inappropriate. And I'm not saying the team do that, but when one team sees another team having fun, you know, they want they want to see them, them having fun. It's, it's kind of a law of attraction, as you mentioned, or contagious. But it's something as an event manager you have to monitor and, mm-hmm. and manage and, and worry about because – dealing with a crowd is a whole nother issue and where that goes or that leads to. And again, they feed off, I think the teams and even the fun part of it, but it it can be very difficult. And, you know, as we talk about rivalries and, you know, I think strong teams, you know, people come in as underdogs and really want to beat that team. And if they do beat them, it's like winning a national championship and the way they celebrate and, you know, it, it's kind of that talent differential. But we, as we know, in any game, anyone can beat the other team. You know, if one team had their best day, the stronger team had their worst day or something, then that's why we play the game. So it can happen. It's the underdog thing. But how do people handle that? And in that case, they're not used to it because that's why they're the underdog. So right. how did the other team respond? Again, the E plus R O equation, event plus response equals outcome. And how do people handle that outcome? And, you know, in sports, they're fans or fanatics for a reason, and they're all in on that team. And that's probably one of the negatives that have come with the emphasis on sports in our society is the fanatic behavior of fans at the pro levels you're seeing people die in the stands because of fighting or 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 words and you know some would argue you know there could be alcohol or other things involved but it's still I've been to some rivalry games where I did not have fun or would not want to go back just because of the banter between the fans and and some of it's fun and it should be fun even for the fans but it gets carried away and it becomes a, a, a negative experience for all those involved and it tarnishes it could even tarnish that big win by the underdog mm-hmm. but it, it starts with sportsmanship and I think you know that has to be emphasized in our program in our department in our sport in sports in general in society in general and you know, I always tried to start it starts with the golden rule, you know, respect, treat others the way you want to be treated. But, you know, it, it's hard sometimes because of the emotion of the game. And I don't like to lose. I get it. 
you know, even in a scrimmage or even when you're not keeping score, or even against my, my brother or sister in Monopoly, you know, but I don't play Monopoly, by the way, but uh, we play categories. You know, my wife and I have had some of our biggest arguments during categories at home about if a word should count or not on a letter or something. So we don't even play that anymore in our family. Um, and I know you like board games, so I didn't even mean to go that way. But, you know, it's competition. And as I've said before, competition brings out the best in product and the worst in people. But you know, it's still something we have, you know, at the, our job. I mean, that's what we are around every day and what we work to get better at. It's been a very interesting topic. I just, again, don't know if if there is an answer. You got to set the tone. It, it's, a, it's a tough battle. As an event manager, it's what you tolerate, you know, and hopefully you set the tone early. Like I had an assistant principal at the high school level. His goal every year was to throw someone out of the student section the first game just to set the tone for the year. Like, hey, you're, you know, we're we're serious here. You know, you, you can't well, you can't misbehave. That's but, a great tone to set there. <laughs> I, I'm a little bit curious. So you said that, you know, your team tends to have a lot of fun. I'm trying to understand exactly why that would. I mean, I get it. You're losing. That would bug you. You know, it's poor sportsmanship right there. That's all that is. But they have fun when they're losing as well. That's what I was trying to get to. Yeah, it's very unique. Last fall, we were playing one of the Division One teams, and we were getting absolutely smoked. We played really bad that day, and we scored a couple runs, and they were going bonkers for mm-hmm. the you know the joy of the success. And winning is really tough in sports. It's tough, and so the teams that do it, it's you're fortunate. You know, LSU baseball won the national championship. After every game they won, they took a picture by the dugout with the team, just showing like hey, here's the moment. Enjoy the moment. Mm -hmm. Stop acting so much like you've been there before because you might not be there again. Enjoy this moment of winning. And and so that's what it is. And that fights against the norms a little bit. You know, it's it's safe. As we talked at one point, saving that suit for the perfect occasion coming up, you know, act like you've been there before. Well, we teach a little bit of the opposite where you're enjoying the moments. And when those moments happen, you're going to enjoy them. And when they win against a top team in the country or they win against the last ranked team in the country, it's going to look the same. They're going to be excited. Having fun. I mean, it's in my esteemed sports career that I've had over my lifetime. <laughs> uh, anytime I've ever played a sport or anything like that, though, I've always found that my performance level goes up so. if I just genuinely have fun. And that not only translates to that, but even doing something like this, a podcast, or if I'm announcing on a stage, anytime I'm doing something and I'm having fun, my performance always goes up. Yeah, I believe you're looser if you're having fun. There's not as much pressure there or you're you're focused on the right things. To your point, focusing on the process instead of the scoreboard. I think all too often, I think you bring up a good point. If the game's out of hand, that no one should be having fun anymore. We should just get the game over. But why wouldn't you celebrate? What if there's a success there or something? And so it's a unique environment anytime that you can have a team or the culture start to pull on the rope in the same way and cheer for others and have that vicarious joy. It's, it's a special thing to watch, but because it's special to watch and doesn't happen everywhere, it becomes abnormal. And when it's abnormal, different or different, it's viewed as not okay. Mm. I think that's it 100%. It doesn't happen everywhere. And, and each 
program had their own expectation of that because some coaches wouldn't want you being happy or cheering or and you know that and, and having fun especially if you're winning big or like if you're losing big it's it just been a failure you know forget celebrating any successes at that point overall it's been a failure where there could be a student that stepped out of the spotlight that hits a home run that hasn't hit one that they got an opportunity to play so I think that's the big thing that in the same as I talked about earlier with officials that people have a different like idea or standard of of what fun is or what sportsmanship is and what's accepted or tolerated that some programs aren't allowed to have any fun. Some programs are too loose and have too much fun and finding that balance or finding that culture in your program that works. And each team is different. As I told you, I've seen your team develop regarding having more fun in the, in the dugout and, but that's, you know, probably getting more confident, getting stronger from practices and that's tough because like I was at a, a volleyball game the other night and I had a parent express concern about the sportsmanship of our crowd and so we had a little conversation and I tried to appease her but I disagreed with her I thought our crowd was actually having fun and, and being loud and you know they were cheering but I didn't think they were inappropriate but obviously she and I had a different definition of that and you know, we agreed to disagree to a certain extent, but sure. that happened pretty regularly. I struggle, you know, like what to accept and not accept. And at the college level, it's been much different than... Was her team losing? They were. There you go. <laughs> That's what it is. That is a large part of it because when, because when you're a fan and your team is losing, you're already mad. It's hard to accept. So when the, the other team's having fun or rubbing it in, it feels, you know, like an attack on them. And some people have a, a complex about that. I get mad. Or it could be other factors we talked about. Like maybe she was tired. Maybe she was having a bad day. This lady actually had a baby in her arm. So I think she was more frustrated just because it was <laughs> loud in there, you know, but it are yeah. those factors yeah. um, that, that can lead to it. Her backpack, if you will. That's right. <laughs> That's, I didn't want to say it, but exactly. Um, common theme, but it, it, a lot of it has to do with winning. There, when you come into the game, there's you know that Dodds have someone winning or losing. Mm -hmm. You know sometimes it's higher or, or or lower, and I think when it's higher, there's actually some would argue more pressure on the the higher ranked team because they're expected to win. So the longer the lower ranked team stays in it, the, the that pressure yeah. builds and adds. And teaching that team, and you know that we talked about mental performance, we talk about focus, we talk about in the moment. We haven't talked about it on this podcast, but there was a golfer uh, a couple years ago that was winning the Masters, one of the, the big events, and he ended up winning it pretty handedly. And, and they asked him why. And he goes, because my life's not defined by winning the Masters. My wife would love me even if I went home. And, and that's usually the opposite. Other people, their life is defined. Their pro career is defined on mm -hmm. winning that, that major, that opening. And it, having that mindset of that per person or, or your team of we're not defined by this. Obviously, we want to and we hate losing, but it doesn't define us. In I the think end. We, we try to clarify what winning actually is. And winning is what I was talking about with the dugout being engaged and cheering for others. That's winning to me. And that's what we define it as. And it's not so much that right side of the scoreboard. So when they do have those special moments and you're seeing them celebrate and you're seeing them truly happy for each other, that's winning to me and that, that's winning in our program. And does that lead to success at the end of the day? Most of the time that does. If you can win your mornings, if you can win in that kind of stuff, 
you're more apt to win at the end of the day as well. And enjoy yourself when you're losing. Right. Yeah. Right. Same thing where it's that perspective. It's not the end of the world. This is a game and it's, you know, the sun's going to come up tomorrow and it doesn't matter how big of a game it is. It's going to be a new day tomorrow. So to have some perspective and if there's something good that does happen in that game, even if the scoreboard's saying that your team's not doing so well, you enjoy that piece of it. Yeah. And, and, and enjoying is... Because we'd say the same thing for our days. If we yeah. had a lot of bad moments in our day and one good thing happened in that day, you'd be like, nice, yeah. I, I can appreciate this right now. This is good. Yep, we let one moment define yeah. that day right. when one bad moment over out of 24 hours, it still could be a good right. day. Mm -hmm. And back to sportsmanship real quick, it's even gone down to the lowest levels seen in youth sports, you know, parents attacking officials and how, you know, getting medals and trophies or making sure their son or daughter is the leading scorer because, you know, they want a college scholarship as they, sure. they get older. So it's back to that pressure, back to fun has almost been secondary to the goal of the individual parent thinking their son or daughter's performance is a reflection of their parenting, which is the exact opposite in the real world. It's how your son or daughter behaves with a more reflection of your parenting. But we lose sight of that, especially once the game starts and even long after it's over. I've seen parents on their ride home, them and their kid not get along. We've seen... Yeah. I was I was that parent when I started out youth coaching. I was not a good parent for the the ride home. Fortunately, I was able to understand that and realize that at some point and make a truly a paradigm shift on on those rides. But so I was that. I've recently because of the way the dugouts are, we've been accused of the only practice we do is cheerleading practice. We teach our players how to be cheerleaders and that's not what vicarious joy looks like. It's completely different, but you're going to have a lot of opinions out there. And, and the ones that truly matter are the, are the people that are closest to you and in your circles. Yeah. Hmm. And you can, I mean, it's hard. It seems to be engaging benches is something again, others, some programs enjoy and some don't. I, in certain sports, it's more accepted in other sports. My kid that played golf and tennis, where you shouldn't cheer or talk at it, at either of those events, but you want to, you, as long as you, you know, in tennis, as long as you celebrate both. I am the first one too. I was a bad parent too, by the way, on the way home. But I did a paradigm shift too, so I'm glad yeah, we both have nice. learned and grown in our adulthood. But my son might not feel a change, but I feel I have. Um, but being now, I lost my train of thought. But well, you're kind of talking about tennis and and how it's, it's yeah, but cheering for both. I can I can cheer for the other team if they make a great play. Like wow, that's impressive. Why shouldn't you? Exactly. I mean, just because they have a different uniform on, but I think that's frowned upon. And again, if it's a rivalry and some of your favorite teams, it's a little harder maybe, but because you want to win. But in the end, it's defining that standard, following that standard, and making sure that standard is consistent. And it's hard because there's two teams out there, if not more, and those teams could have different standards and, and different ideas. And as a leader, that's what you try to have to manage and, and get through. Should we start saying warm up the bus or <laughs> it's all your fault? But anyway, that's what we have for today on Sportsmanship. As always, go Stars. Stars on Sports is recorded live at the WLNZ studios. Engineering and production assistance are provided by Didalian Lowry. You can listen to this episode and other episodes of Stars on Sports on demand at lccconnect.org. To find more information about our athletic program, visit lccstars.com. Thanks for listening. Go, Go Stars! stars.
This is WLNZ Lansing. You're listening to LCC Connect, a weekly program that features the voices, vibes, and vision of Lansing Community College. To find out more about LCC Connect programs or to listen on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision.